Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. Jeremy Kalmanowski with you, learning Tractate Yoma, page 73, Ein Gimel. This will be pretty much the last of the pages that has to do with uh, temple-oriented stuff, because on, the, on 73 Bet, we begin talking about Yom Kippur as it is observed as a day of fast and affliction, and so the rest of the Masechet will be about that more familiar topic. So even though 73B has that Mishnah, I'm not going to do it today, and I'll put that Mishnah off till tomorrow to introduce all of that material and to conclude the, the more ritual sections with a discussion of the, the Kohen Gadol, this, this other unique category of Kohanim, and their use of the Urim and Tumim, the oracle described back in, um, in uh, the book of Exodus that was itself part of the Kohen Gadol's garments. Okay, so we discuss, first of all, that there's uh, th- really three categories of Kohanim. There's the Kohen Gadol, who passes his, his uh, role on to his sons. There's Kohen Hediot, the average or common Kohen. And then in the Kohen Gadol wears, as, as you've learned, uh, eight special garments, and the Kohen Hediot wears four special garments. But now, if you remember that in the, in the tractate, in the uh, book of Deuteronomy, rather, in the Parsha called Shoftim, we have that the Kohen leads the people into battle, and he also gives this speech to the people, uh, you know, in the event of in the event of battle, and that coin is called Mashuach Milchama, the one who is anointed for war, and he's kind of halfway between Kohen Gadol and the regular Kohanim. For his special role, he does wear the eight garments, but uh, he can't go back to wearing the plain old four garments because we have a principle that Malin Bakodesh, you can only ascend in roles, Velo Moridin, you can't re- regress back to the previous role, so he can't be a, he can't be a regular Kohen anymore, but he can't also be, become the Kohen Gadol, because he's worn the eight garments, and you can't, uh, you can't have two people, it's like a quarterback controversy in football, you can't have, you can't have two people uh, confronting, you know, going for the same role, so he, he can no longer serve in the temple, but he can't be a regular Kohen either, so he's he's kind of caught in the middle ground. But he does, by virtue of wearing his eight garments, he gets to p- participate in this uh, oracle called the Urim Vitumim. Uh, you may remember from, from the book of Exodus that in all the Kohen's garments, he wears this breastplate called a Choshen, and the Choshen has the um, jewels on it, one jewel for each of the 12 tribes. It's very, very hard to figure out what is literally happening here. Um, it would appear most likely from Exodus that the Urim and Tumim are a kind of oracle placed in a pouch inside the breastplate, but many sages trying to make sense of this over the centuries have thought that the Urim and the Tumim are, in fact, the uh, the stones of the breastplate themselves, upon which are inscribed the names of the 12 tribes. Now, what did the Kohen ask about? Uh, the Kohen according to Halakha, later on, would ask about things like establishing the borders of the tribes or, or establishing the, the municipal boundaries of Jerusalem, now the kind of thing handled by the city council. Um, but 
but it was important to later halakha to suggest that these are only emergency ritual sorts of requests. The sages are very keen, as, as you might expect in this very rational religion, to limit the applicability of this oracle. You can't ask, you know, you can't ask the oracle uh, whether Rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda or Rabbi Meir is right about a question of halakha. That's a matter for argumentation. And that is really the, the most famous story in the Talmud, the story of the oven of Achnai, which you'll learn in tractate Baba Metziah, that Rabbi Eliezer wants to say that I, that I can invoke God to tell us the right answer, and his fellow, his fellow sages say, no, no, you got to argue it out, you got to convince us, you can't ask God to, to control it for us. But in the Bible, the main thing that you asked uh, for the Urim and Tumim was you asked um, who to go to war against, or whether, whether the war was going to succeed or not. How exactly the oracle uh, came? Well, that's a matter for for discussion. So I'll just read to you a little bit of this passage here from the bottom of the Amud Aleph. Tan Rabbanan Ketzad Shoalin. How did you ask the Urim and Tumim? Hashoel Panav Klape Nishal, Nishal Panav Klape Shechina. The questioner turned his face towards the the one who is asked, that is the Kohen, and, and the one who was asked, the Kohen, turned his face towards the Shechina. Now Rashi tells us that he turned his face to the Urim and Tumim in the pouch in the Choshen uh, to, because on there was written the divine name. So when it says his face was towards the divine presence, Rashi understands that to mean his face was towards the names inscribed on these presumably a certain kind of stones, uh, jewels or, or whatever. Maimonides doesn't like that, and Maimonides says that it means that the Kohen turned his face to the ark in which was the temple. Hashoel Omer, the questioner says, shall I attack this or that uh, troop? And the answerer responds, thus says the Lord, Aleve Hatzlach, arise and succeed. Or perhaps says the opposite. Our page will go on and relate some cases of David and Saul asking, asking the Urim and Tumim about their, uh, about their military success. It tells us on our page that unlike a prophetic utterance, Prophets tell you, you know, the following thing is going to happen unless you repent. Urim and Tumim aren't unless you repent. It's Mishpat HaUrim. This is the rule. And once the Urim and Tumim say it, it's fate. Lama Nikrashman Urim V'Tumim. What is the meaning of the words Urim V'Tumim? Urim Shem'irim Et Divrehem. They are called the lights, for they illuminate their words. Tumim Shemashlimim Et Divrehem. And they are called Tumim because they complete their words. And that's a perfectly reasonable etymology of urim as or and tumim as tam, uh, light and completed. And by the way, you Yalies will remember that this is in fact the Yale uh, motto, urim v'tumim, lux et veritas, light and truth. Uh, It's possible that this is what it means, although uh, biblical scholars have also speculated that Urim comes from the word Arur, guilty, cursed, and Tumim is Tama, pure, and it may have been a kind of uh, oracle to figure out who was guilty and who was innocent, and possibly the most famous story of Urim v'Tumim in the Tanakh about David and uh, uh, Saul and Jonathan, Jonathan's death in battle, uh, does kind of look like that's, that's the better... Uh, translation, this is First uh, Samuel chapter 14, in which uh, Jonathan is proven to be the guilty one for having violated the fast day, thanks to the, thanks to the Urim Vitumim. 
um, the passage will go on and, and suggest how, what was the method of delivery of these oracles. Uh, the passage will suggest that all the letters of the tribe's names uh, and the ancestors' names were inscribed on the stones of the breastplate or perhaps and or the Urim themselves, and they would illuminate, and they would spell out words, and the Kohen Gadol, if this person had the requisite gifts of prophecy, would be able to see the the letters uh, glowing um, in a way that would give him an answer to the question, spell out the answer to the question. Ramban Nachmanides, in his Torah commentary, has a great comment about this. He says that the letters would glow, and the truth is that the letters could spell out a hundred different words. That's We'd call that the Urim. The Urim would illuminate. They would spell out any an infinite number of combinations, and then he would consult the Tumim, which would help him make sense of the different combinations, and he would figure out which one which one was the right one. It's like two different computer programs or something like that. Uh, an amazing drash from the Ramban's, you know, it c- correlates to his sense of meditative Torah interpretation. The Ramban was a Kabbalist, and he says the same thing is true about the Torah. You could combine the letters in different fashions to make different different sets of meaning. Maimonides, a, a different sort of uh, thinker says that this was a kind of prophecy, and the Kohen would look inside the pouch and see a vision. I I don't think, Rambam doesn't really say that it's about letters. He says that it is a kind of a vision of prophecy that will tell him what's supposed to happen. And both Ramban and Rambam view the Urim and Tumim as a kind of of low-level prophecy. But as we know, those kind of prophecies don't happen in this world anymore. As the sages say elsewhere, prophecy was taken from the world and given to uh, to madmen and children so anyway thanks for learning this page with me and from beginning now through the rest of the tractate we'll talk about yom kippur as we have it i hope you've enjoyed today's episode of daily daf differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page the music at the open and close of this episode is ufros from the epic chorus album one bead available on bandcamp iTunes, and Spotify.